chapter twelve of an anonymous story by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter twelve with my head wet from the snow and gasping for breath i ran to my room and immediately flung off my swallow-tails put on a reefer jacket and an overcoat and carried my portmanteau out into the passage i must get away but before going i hurriedly sat down and began writing to orloff i leave you my false passport i began i beg you to keep it as a memento you false man you petersburg official to steal into another man's house under a false name to watch under the mask of a flunkey this person's intimate life to hear everything to see everything in order later on unasked to accuse a man of lying all this you will say is on a level with theft yes but i care nothing for fine feelings now i have endured dozens of your dinners and suppers when you said and did what you liked and i had to hear to look on and be silent i don't want to make you a present of my silence besides if there is not a living soul at hand who dares to tell you the truth without flattery let your flunky stepan wash your magnificent countenance for you i did not like this beginning but i did not care to alter it besides what did it matter the big windows with their dark curtains the bed the crumpled dress-coat on the floor and my wet footprints looked gloomy and forbidding and there was a peculiar stillness possibly because i had run out into the street without my cap and galoshes i was in a high fever my face burned my legs ached my heavy head drooped over the table and there was that kind of division in my thought when every idea in the brain seemed dogged by its shadow i am ill weak morally cast down i went on i cannot write to you as i should like to from the first moment i desired to insult and humiliate you but now i do not feel that i have the right to do so you and i have both fallen and neither of us will ever rise up again and even if my letter were eloquent terrible and passionate it would still seem like beating on the lid of a coffin however one knocks upon it one will not wake up the dead no efforts could warm your accursed cold blood and you know that better than i do why write but my mind and heart are burning and i go on writing for some reason i am moved as though this letter still might save you and me i am so feverish that my thoughts are disconnected and my pen scratches the paper without meaning but the question i want to put to you stands before me as clear as though in letters of flame why i am prematurely weak and fallen is not hard to explain like samson of old i have taken the gates of gaza on my shoulders to carry them to the top of the mountain and only when i was exhausted when youth and health were quenched in me forever i noticed that that burden was not for my shoulders and that i had deceived myself i have been moreover in cruel and continual pain i have endured cold hunger illness and loss of liberty of personal happiness i know and have known nothing i have no home my memories are bitter and my conscience is often in dread of them but why have you fallen you what fatal diabolical causes hindered your life from blossoming into full flower why almost before beginning life were you in such haste to cast off the image and likeness of god and to become a cowardly beast who backs and scares others because he is afraid himself you are afraid of life as afraid of it as an oriental who sits all day on a cushion smoking his hookah 
yes you read a great deal and a european coat fits you well but yet with what tender purely oriental pasha-like care you protect yourself from hunger cold physical effort from pain and uneasiness how early your soul has taken to its dressing-gown what a cowardly part you have played towards real life and nature with which every healthy and normal man struggles how soft how snug how warm how comfortable and how bored you are yes it is deathly boredom unrelieved by one ray of light as in solitary confinement but you try to hide from that enemy too you play cards eight hours out of twenty-four and your irony oh but how well i understand it free bold living thought is searching and dominating for an indolent sluggish mind it is intolerable that it may not disturb your peace like thousands of your contemporaries you make haste in youth to put it under bar and bolt your ironical attitude to life or whatever you like to call it is your armour and your thought fettered and frightened dare not leap over the fence you have put round it and when you jeer at ideas which you pretend to know all about you are like the deserter fleeing from the field of battle and to stifle his shame sneering at war and at valour cynicism stifles pain in some novel of dostoevsky's an old man tramples under foot the portrait of his dearly loved daughter because he had been unjust to her and you vent your foul and vulgar jeers upon the ideas of goodness and truth because you have not the strength to follow them you are frightened of every honest and truthful hint at your degradation and you purposely surround yourself with people who do nothing but flatter your weaknesses and you may well you may well dread the sight of tears by the way your attitude to women shamelessness has been handed down to us in our flesh and blood and we are trained to shamelessness but that is what we are men for to subdue the beast in us when you reached manhood and all ideas became known to you you could not have failed to see the truth you knew it but you did not follow it you were afraid of it and to deceive your conscience you began loudly assuring yourself that it was not you but woman that was to blame that she was as degraded as your attitude to her your cold scabrous anecdotes your coarse laughter all your innumerable theories concerning the underlying reality of marriage and the definite demands made upon it concerning the ten sous the french workman pays his woman your everlasting attacks on female logic lying weakness and so on doesn't it all look like a desire at all costs to force woman down into the mud that she may be on the same level as your attitude to her you are a weak unhappy unpleasant person zinaida fyodorovna began playing the piano in the drawing-room trying to recall the song of saint-saint that grusin had played i went and lay on my bed but remembering that it was time for me to go i got up with an effort and with a heavy burning head went to the table again but this is the question i went on why are we worn out why are we at first so passionate so bold so noble and so full of faith complete bankrupts at thirty or thirty-five why does one waste in consumption another put a bullet through his brains a third seeks forgetfulness in vodka and cards while the fourth tries to stifle his fear and misery by cynically trampling underfoot the pure image of his fair youth why is it that having once fallen we do not try to rise up again and losing one thing do not seek something else why is it the thief hanging on the cross could bring back the joy of life and the courage of confident hope though perhaps he had not more than an hour to live you have long years before you 
and i shall probably not die so soon as one might suppose what if by a miracle the present turned out to be a dream a horrible nightmare and we should wake up renewed pure strong proud of our righteousness sweet visions fire me and i am almost breathless with emotion i have a terrible longing to live i long for our life to be holy lofty and majestic as the heavens above let us live the sun doesn't rise twice a day and life is not given us again clutch at what is left of your life and save it i did not write another word i had a multitude of thoughts in my mind but i could not connect them and get them on to paper without finishing the letter i signed it with my name and rank and went into the study it was dark i felt for the table and put the letter on it i must have stumbled against the furniture in the dark and made a noise who is there i heard an alarmed voice in the drawing-room and the clock on the table softly struck one at the moment End of chapter 12 recording by expatriate in bangor maine